from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. It is a critical moment. If we do not act with urgency, we would then severely undermine the liberal order. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. The wind is back in Europe's sights. We have now a window of opportunity, but it will not stay open forever. Hello and welcome to the CEA podcast. I'm Sofia Besch and today I'm in conversation with Camino Matera Martinez, who is a senior research fellow in the CEA Brussels office and also the resident Spaniard at the CEA. So she's come on the podcast to talk us through the Spanish general elections, which happened last Sunday on April 28th, what they mean for Spain and what they mean for the EU. Hi, Camino. Hi, Sofia. Great. I think you were even in Spain uh, on Sunday for the elections, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was there for the week uh, before the elections and on, on the actual election day. So I've got some interesting insights, uh, mostly gained around beers in terraces, though, because I was on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, to start with, could you just briefly lay out for us who were the main parties in these elections and how did they each fare on Sunday? Uh, Spain has gone from a, a two-party system to a five-party system uh, over the past five years. And these elections uh, reflected very, very well. Um, so the first party uh, in these elections was the Socialist Party. Uh, they won the election, but they didn't gain enough seats to actually form a government. Secondly, we've got the Conservatives. Then the third force would be Ciudadanos, so the centre right, centre-left, the Liberals, however you want to call them or however they want to call themselves. Uh, in fourth position, we've got uh, Unidas Podemos, so that's the, the far-left, if you wish, uh, party in Spain. And the fifth position uh, was for Vox, uh, populist far-right uh, party, new party, uh, which just entered the parliament for the first time. All right, so The socialists, as you said, won the elections, but do not have enough seats to form a government. What are the next steps then? What are possible scenarios and what do you think is going to happen? The first thing to take into account is that not much will actually happen before the 26th of May, uh, because in a, in a very uh, new uh, scenario for Spain, we do have regional, local and European elections happening only like a month after uh, general elections. So it's in nobody's interest, except for maybe Podemos, to actually, you know, come out of the closet, if you want, uh, and say which coalitions will be made um, before the local, regional and European elections happen, so that they don't uh, impact uh, the results uh, of those. So, secondly, I think it's very important to say that we should probably rule out um, having Puigdemont's party, uh, Junts per Catalunya, as a part of any uh, supply and confidence or any coalition or the likes because of, of what happened in, in recent months. And that is a force for Spain as well, because what was before a rather moderate nationalist party is not going to be a part of the puzzle any longer. And this, you know, makes, makes also the arithmetics very complicated because whoever is going to become prime minister and probably uh, is going to be Pedro Sánchez cannot possibly, you know, make an alliance uh, with any 
of the indie parties in Catalonia because of the, of the electoral consequences that this might have for him after, afterwards. So to me, those two points are very, very important. And that said, I think there will be, there are five likely scenarios that we may consider. Uh, the first one is the Socialist and Unidas Podemos in a coalition, um, but they wouldn't have enough votes to actually uh, command a majority. Uh, the second one would be having the Socialist Unidas Podemos in coalition with smaller national and regionalist parties in supply and confidence they would be one uh, seat short of commanding a majority as well. The only clear majority for a coalition would be the Socialist Party and the centre-right, centre-left or liberal Ciudadanos, however you want to call it, however they want to call themselves. They would have enough seats to command a majority, uh, but you might be aware that uh, Ciudadanos leader Albert Rivera uh, said earlier um, in this process that he would not uh, enter into coalition with Pedro Sánchez. Um, so that may be a big problem uh, for this uh, scenario to happen. Um, the fourth one would be the socialist alone, with supply and confidence from um, both uh, Unidas Podemos and the smaller uh, regional parties. This is PSOE's preferred option, and they are pushing for it, uh, but in my view, it's not very likely um, to happen either because of how difficult it would be to pass a budget and other uh, laws in this kind of a scenario. And then the fifth one would be new elections. Now, I was um, very much uh, thinking that this was going to be the most likely scenario on Sunday when I was in Madrid and, and a little bit before that. Uh, now I'm not that convinced. I think that there, there can be the numbers there to have either a leftist coalition or, or having a leftist coalition with supply and confidence from, from regional parties. Um, now, how you know, stable uh, such a government would be is, an, is another question, um, but I think that we are veering towards um, a leftist coalition or a leftist government rather than towards new elections. Okay, and as you say, we probably won't know for another month or so, right? Yes, I don't think I don't think nothing will happen. I mean, nothing will publicly happen before the twenty sixth of May. We can expect a lot of pressure and a lot of you know like public banging from from Unidas Podemos, who I think has an interest on you know like being seen as a, as a good partner of government so that they do they do well in the elections. But I am sure that the socialists and and especially Ciudadanos because they're in a very complicated position as well. Um, on the one hand. Uh, you know, like the, the part of their electoral appeal is to be the key maker, is to be, you know, the, the flexible party, which is neither left nor right, uh, which wants to have a stable government, you know, which is pro-market and all these sort of things. On the other hand, because they said we will not enter into a coalition with PSOE, they cannot backtrack uh, without, like, big electoral losses. So how are they going to handle this? I think it's an interesting one because there are many, many analysts and many people in Spain already calling Albert Rivera out and saying, you know, like you should enter into a coalition. This is the, this is what's best for the country. This is what's best for the economy. And how is he going to justify not doing that just because of an electoral strategy, which is the reason why he said, I'm not going into a coalition with, with Sanchez because he wants out uh, do PP, which he did. It's going, to be, it's going to be the interesting one to watch. 
also now that we have the, the Conservatives openly calling Vox the extreme right. How is Rivera going to justify to his European partners before the European elections to be in some sort of coalition as well uh, in Andalusia with Vox? Uh, that's going to, to be an interesting, an interesting one. Okay, well, so you've brought up Vox, and I want to talk about uh, this far-right party, the new entry into Parliament. You and a few other Spain watchers have criticized over the last few days that much of the international media attention has focused perhaps too much on Vox, even though, of course, they didn't actually win the elections. So could you provide some context for us? Did Vox do as well as expected? Was this a big surprise? Were you surprised? I wasn't surprised because I wrote a piece. I'm, I'm doing a, a shameless self-plug here, a couple of months back <laughs> for the CR actually, predicting this, predicting that Vox was going to enter the parliament, but it was not going to be, you know, the revolution that some expected it to be. Now, as I, as I treated as well over the past week, I spent a, a lot of time in Madrid, Porsche's neighborhood for several reasons. If you stay in that bubble, you have this echo chamber amplifying the effect of the far right and, and how, how they've been driving the debate and, and, and how important they are going to be. Now, to me, it's not that Spain just like suddenly woke up with two million, you know, like Franco nostalgics who want to like go back 50 years in time and are like all about bullfighting and, 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 and you know, suppressing women's rights or whatever. It's just, it's more of a protest vote. And the protest vote in Spain, to me, and that's something that, I, that I've been saying for a while as well, is much less about the common European protest vote issues like migration and, you know, the economy and all these sort of things, uh, than it was about Catalonia and the way the Mariano Rajoy government handled the Catalonian issue. So to me, that was a very important one. And in that specific issue, there were three parties disputing, you know, like being the toughest on Catalonia. The first was Vox, okay? The second one is Ciudadanos, which is actually, which was born out of, you know, the need to have some sort of rational Spanish, you know, perspective in Catalonia. And the third one was Pepe. Uh, and Pepe did this turn to the right to actually outdo Vox in, in this issue, which has, you know, turned out to be a mistake for them. But to me, that signal that Vox was not going to take all the votes from people being angry at the way the, the whole Catalonian issue was, but the votes were going to be fragmented, and that meant that Vox, yes, will enter Parliament, as they did, but not as, as big as they hoped, that they hoped to. Now, they did get 24 seats, which is big for first-time party, which, by the way, has been around for a while, so it's not completely new, but anyway, for the first time, you know, it's a big one. But if we put that in perspective, we should think that this is not, uh, I mean, this is much smaller in comparison with the votes, with the seats that both Podemos and Ciudadanos got the first time that they entered Parliament themselves. So it's an important one. And obviously, you know, like one of the things that they were expecting was to have enough votes to be uh, a key maker. Did not happen. So there will be a voice to be heard in the Parliament, that's for sure. But they will not have as much weight as some predicted in the formation of the government or other important issues, like, as I was saying before, budgets and, and all these sort of things. Okay, that's great. That's some much-needed context, I think. Finally, I want to ask you what these elections, the Spanish elections, mean for the EU, what they mean for the European Parliament elections. How should the rest of Europe look at these results? 
Right, so I think basically the Vox question, and I mean, I think there are two reasons why non-Spanish media have focused on Vox and why, you know, Spaniards like myself criticize that. So the first one is that it gets you clicks. And obviously, you know, it's a much more interesting story to have a far-right party for the first time and the end of the Spanish exception and all these sort of things than, you know, looking at coalition building and numbers and all these sort of boring things that I'm talking about now. The stuff that we love at the CER. Yeah, we love boring things. No, but that's, that's the first one. The second one is that I think there are lessons to be drawn from the whole Vox story in Spain uh, for the rest of Europe. So if you have an international or European audience, it's going to be much more interesting to talk about that than to talk about, you know, like internal fighting in either PP or PSOE or whatever. And one, one of the lessons to be learned, I think it's important for the forthcoming elections uh, here in Brussels as well, European Parliament elections, I mean, which is that voters prefer the original. And that is something, you know, very unoriginal to say, but it's true. If you are a centre-right party, conservative or otherwise, and you're trying to get votes by copying the populist, uh, you know, by copying those who shout louder, you are more likely to lose votes than to gain any. Because faced with the option of going for those who shout louder and those who are the original populist party or the sort of center, you know, moderate ones pretending to be loud, voters tend to prefer the original. So that's an important lesson. And I think, you know, having seen what, what the PP leader has said recently, admitting that, you know, it was a mistake to do this, even though I think that his defeat was not only about Vox, but it was also about, as I was saying before, how disappointed many people were about Rajoy's handling of many issues, in, 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 in particular the Catalonian question. But still, if you see you know, like his sort of regrets about that. You can think about other places in Europe where perhaps if you're a moderate uh, leader of either right or left, you might want to think twice before trying to copy the populist playbook. So that's, that's an important one, I think. Right. The second one is that obviously having a socialist and obviously even more having a socialist, far leftist coalition in Spain, it's very important for things like the budget. We're seeing this already. So Spain just sent its budget to Europe, to the European Commission. It's a much more public spending friendly budget, but also much more tax on rich people and digital companies friendly budgets. And that is, I think, is an important one and it's going to, to be quite determinant when it comes to discussions in Brussels about digital taxation, about, you know, the Tobin tax and about reforms on the Eurozone and all these sort of things. I also think that this particular government and if Sanchez continues with, you know, the way that he's been doing things for a while, it's, it's much more interested in having a high profile in Brussels and that is going to have an impact as well on, you know, like the whole Franco-German axis and, and how, how um, the southern uh, countries uh, can have more weight in discussions. You think he's going to be interested in playing a bigger role in Brussels? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. As I've been saying for a while, if you think about the big six, the big six are now the big three because we've got one of them out of the door, which is the UK. Uh, then Poland and Italy are at loggerheads with uh, Brussels on so many things. And then you've got the Franco-German axis. So now 
you know, Spain is the natural, would be the natural uh, country to balance out this axis. Uh, we haven't been doing so in a long time because of the low profile that the, both Rajoy's administrations have taken in Europe for several reasons. But as I'm saying, the Sanchez government is much more interested in playing a big role in the European Union. So I think that's going to be important, again, for discussions in the Eurozone, but also for discussions on migration and all this sort of these sort of things. So I think that's an important one. Just finally, uh, what do you think the result will mean for the European Parliament elections? How will Spain feature there? Right, so I am sad to report that the European Parliament elections are not attracting many much attention in Spain at the moment. I mean, that's probably not a surprise for anybody. <laughs> this, I mean, this year is even more the case because, as I'm saying, most of the focus is now on coalition building. So that's going to take a lot of the attention. And then, I mean, to me, it is a bit unfortunate that we have uh, local and regional elections at the same time. Because I understand that for some countries, these elections mean nothing. But in Spain, as a highly decentralized country, regional elections are super important. Um, so nobody's talking about the European elections, and this is really, really sad. And I think, you know, in any case, if you look at the parties and, uh, and the, what they are proposing in Europe, the three, so to speak, bigger parties, so the Socialists, the Conservatives and Ciudadanos, uh, do not differ much, unfortunately, again, because I think that it, there is a case to be made for, you know, a more, not pro-European, but like a more Spain-friendly European policy, so to speak. If you, if you watch the debates, which I did, you would realize that there is absolutely no mention to European policy at all. There is no, you know, block in the debates devoted to European foreign policy at all, which I think is a mistake. And now all the debates are about, you know, who is going to be the next mayor of Madrid, which is a big thing, uh, who is going to win the elections in, I don't know, like Cantabria or Asturias or Murcia or whatever, and nothing about who is going to even run for, for European elections. And, and probably, I mean, probably we will see, you know, as the, the, the things that we see often in European elections, which is a uh, kind of a protest vote. So you will have a Vox entering in the parliament, that's for sure. For me, there's no question about that, that Vox is going to be in the, in the next European parliament. Probably see a good result for Podemos as well. Uh, you probably see a good result for the socialists too and for Ciudadanos. But again, what is Ciudadanos going to do? you know, in the next three weeks and what is what is it going to say about coalitions and all these sort of things, I think it's going to matter because the analysis, if you want the one which is more openly talking about Europe and more openly invested in the European strategy of trying to, you know, get into a group with Macron and being a, a big, being the biggest uh, party in, in, in ALDE and all these sort of things. So for them, you know, what they say and what they do from now until the 26th of May is going to be really important. Camino, thank you so much. That was really, really interesting. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.